I've learned to become much more gentle with myself over time. I think a year, five years ago, or seven years ago, I was like, "Ah, you didn't, you <laughs> bad day, Jesse." He'd look at he'd look at he'd look in the mirror and slap himself, and then go back to the a work. version of that. And I think over time, I'm like, "Yeah, you know what?" Like, and and it's something I try to coach everyone I work with, especially the younger entrepreneurs. I'm like, "Hey, you know, you got a bunch done this week. Like, did did the, did the ball move forward? Did it go? Did it not go backwards? You know?" And and I, I love the pushing a boulder up a hill analogy. I'm like, you know what? If you're pushing a boulder up a hill. If you keep it in the same place or get it forward a little bit, that's progress. What's up, everyone? I'm Alex Lieberman. And I'm Sophia Amoruso. Yo, this is Jesse Puji. And this is The Crazy Ones. What is up, misfits? Welcome back to The Crazy Ones. I'm your host, Alex Lieberman, joined by my amazing co-hosts, Sophia Amoruso and Jesse Puji. And this is our final episode of 2022. So here's today's rundown. First, we're talking about solopreneurship. That's right, running a business of one. We're going to talk about some actual examples of people who are printing millions of dollars a year, and they are the only full-time employee on the business. And then my co-hosts are going to duke it out, arguing the for case and the against case of running a business of one. Then we're going to talk about time, how my co-hosts manage their time, how someone on Twitter I found is running a billion-dollar business and they have three things on their calendar in a given week, and the strategies that we have to spend our time as intentionally as possible. And finally, to round off the episode and to round off the year, we are going to have a quick brainstorm of how we think we can improve and innovate and grow this show in 2023. With that, we're also gonna wanna hear ideas from you. So whether it's now or after the episode, shoot us an email at thecrazyones at morningbrew.com and let us know how we can improve the show, ideas to make it better, or recommendations for how we can grow the thing. Now let's hop into it. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. So let's talk about solopreneurship. I think that this has become a bigger topic uh, just in the world of more tools being accessible to people to start businesses, right? So like we've talked about the topics of AI writing code for you. We've talked about no code. We've talked about tools like Substack that allow you to spin up a newsletter and charge for it. And so I think access to being a solopreneur is more open than ever before. But what are your guys' thoughts on basically being a business of one? I would hate it. I love it. Why? Sophie and I are so different on this. I, I, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm an extrovert. I, to me, uh, one of the biggest parts of business is leadership and spending time with people and inspiring people. And my, you know, when I have my highest energy is like, you know, on a whiteboard with a group of people coming up with ideas, there's energy and excitement in the room. And like, I, I would probably rather make far less money and, and be doing that every day and just enjoying the energy associated with that than I would, um, you know, sitting in this office, like I, I tried to work from home for a minute during COVID and it just like, didn't work for me. I, it was just too, it felt you know, too, too much of the same. And so I, I think it's cool. It's like, I, by the way, I love the stories. There was a famous one when I was a consultant, there was this plugin that everyone at McKinsey and everywhere used, I forgot the name of it, but it was like a plugin into Excel that made your PowerPoint size or into PowerPoint. And it, it was like, apparently one guy making 40 million EBITDA a year or something that he built this plugin that everybody used. Um, but so it's cool. I'm like, that's cool, but, but you wouldn't want to do it yourself. No, 
even if it was 10 people or five people i'd be fine like with that scale and size i prefer i I like to build organizations though i enjoy hiring people thinking about how they interact thinking about the values like that stuff is to me is as important as the business personally and And i think i think just on the other side of the spectrum like is there a point at which the size of the business becomes so big that you don't enjoy it anymore um, I've never, you know, a few hundred people, like I haven't run a business big enough. I think I've seen like people like Rick, I've talked about at Red Ventures or Amazon. I see what they're doing and I'm like, that looks really cool. Like, yeah, they sort of have this platform and all these people and, and the culture. And so I, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's something I've, I've t- tossed back and forth, but I, I think if you do it well, one, one thing I realized, I don't know if you guys had this when you had a few hundred people you know, at a hundred people, you, you obviously don't have a hundred people reporting to you. You have five to seven people reporting to you. And someone pointed out to me at one point, they said, you know, what's interesting, Jesse, once you're at a hundred, you're never going to have more people reporting to you. It's not like the CEO of a 10,000 person company has more than five to seven people reporting to him or her. And so I thought that was pretty cool. It's like, oh no, you always kind of have this team and, and you're always working with a team that you're leading and working on. Obviously there's more leadership as it gets bigger. So I don't know. I, I think I think I would like to, you know, run something big and large and unique and have a unique culture around it personally. That's Sophia, just as as the resident introvert, I feel like you're going to have a different point of view on this. Yeah, I mean, I had a few hundred people and I'm a zero to one founder. It took me way too long to realize that. And I probably should have sold Nasty Gal long, you know, before I raised venture capital because it was an incredibly profitable, successful business. It's only been in the last year that I've realized that I'm good at starting things. I'm amazing at starting brands. I can rally people and get them to care about and identify with what it is that I've created and scaling the brand I really love, uh, which I can do pretty nimbly, but actually operating the business is really challenging for me. And so over the last year, I mean, I pretty much have a business that is, it's me and I have an assistant and then I have one person in New York and for the scale of the business, it may as well be a one person business. I think there's a great opportunity out there. And Alex, you can talk about this in greater detail to, for creators to spin out more than just, you know, YouTube videos and TikTok videos. You can create an audience on those channels and through the press. Most of how I became someone who people follow wasn't because I was an influencer. I got a following because I was doing things mostly in the real world with the book and promoting it and a lot of inbound out of, you know, not growing it through creating videos. Video wasn't even a thing on Instagram. And from that, creators can publish books. They can have Patreons. They can have memberships. They can have private things for their communities. They can, you know, host a, you know, Twitch are they called channels stream stream um events books there are so many opportunities to monetize as a business of one i think what becomes challenging for any business of one is that when it's successful you know you spoke with cody sanchez you know i interviewed ryan holiday recently all of these people you know mr stoic i'm sure started by himself um but once something gets big enough you need people to help produce you because you're creating so much content. You know, the course creators, Amy Porterfield and Jasmine Starr, who have inspired me and I've learned so much from, they started, you know, an online course, which feels like maybe something that could be, you know, passive income and really, you know, high margins. 
But over time, you know, you really want to scale that. It's challenging to do without a team. Yeah, I feel like the the most successful solopreneurs turn into entrepreneurs. Like it's, it's, you're you're, you're like a solopreneur until you realize that something has enough opportunity to not be a solopreneur, unless you've made the very intentional choice that you don't want something to get above a certain size because maybe it's just so profitable that you hate actually everything that Jesse's talking about, like leadership, hiring, management, and growing your net worth by another comma or another zero isn't worth that work. And you just want to continue to print money with a lifestyle business. But I just want to double hey, down. By the way, hold on. It's not a new concept, though. I mean, one thing we should like I, many, many eons ago, I was a consulting kid and a hedge fund hired us to project the amount of domain names that would exist one day. It's a true story. And, do you know, so like there's, you know, you, we'd looked at basically how many companies are there in the U.S. And so just guess how many, you know, there's there's four categories. There's large corporations, mm-hmm. there's like mid, mid-market, there's SMB, and then there's what they call Soho, which is small office, home office, basically single-person businesses. Zero the original companies. Soho. How, how many of those do you, would you guess there are? This was, of, by the way, was of the in last, 2007. Of the last group, number four? Yeah, number four. Sophia, you go first. 15 years ago, without Before technology, creator. without technology, are just, we including consultants? It just I mean, means that in the, in the IRS, they say they're a one-person business. Uh, five million. Uh, it was 18, I, oh, go, sorry, shit. 18 uh-huh. million. <laughs> That's, that is so much higher than I was going to guess. <laughs> Notaries, today, I mean, just, it's not, an, it, it must be clear, right? I mean, this is the land of entrepreneurship. Like it's, by the way, that number is probably like 25 now with all these creators and everything, but it's not a new- triple. It's not a new thing at all to be a single yeah. solo entrepreneur. Yeah, I was. Um, I agree with that, and I actually also think solopreneur for a lot of people is a misnomer. Like, it's not. I think there are very few, at least if you're talking about a digital solopreneur, where it's like truly one person. Like, I think a lot of times it ends up turning into you have a VA in um, the Philippines, or you have like an agency that's part time helping with you. Um, there's a guy. And I sent you this this article earlier, Pieter Levels, um, who I look at what he's done, and it's funny. Like this is just the type of shit that gets me very excited. Uh, he has la- He went through this project starting in 2014 of launch 12 businesses in 12 months, and a lot of it was to do rapid testing, learn how to test businesses to know if they're going to reach market fit or not, and also to like to not build for perfection and just put things out into the world because he said that was a big block for him. And I don't think he actually ended up creating 12 businesses. He created seven. And they're all over the map of what he created. He created Play My Inbox, which was a site that would pull and because his friends would share music with each other over email, he w- it would pull email recommend- uh, music recommendations over email, add it to like a single website view where you could play all the songs that friends had recommended to him. He had one, this is my favorite, gofuckingdoit.com, which was you set a goal for yourself, you set a date, and you set an amount of money you're wagering. And if you do not hit that goal, you pay the site for not hitting the goal. <laughs> um, and so that was one. His actually, his most successful one, he has two really successful ones, um, Nomad List and Remote OK. So he is a digital nomad. He's been traveling all over the world. And so a lot of the things he's built have been around kind of the digital nomad remote worker lifestyle. Remote OK is simply a job board for remote only remote only roles. And Nomad List is amazing. It's 
organized by city how good hundreds of cities in the world are for digital nomads. So it ranks on like cool. how is the community there, weather, all these things. He does two point. He's going to do two point seven million dollars this year, and his margin on his biggest business is ninety four percent pre tax. And the only employees he has, he has one customer support contractor part time, Isabel. He has a moderator for a Slack group because he has a remote worker Slack group. And then he has a DevOps guy who's part-time and that's it. And so I I think it's going to be interesting for him once like Nomad List or Remote OK gets big enough and he has the option to potentially scale those to 10 million. What does he choose to do? And that's why I think you only stay a solopreneur for so long. But I think it's amazing this idea of just like the the gap between idea to thing in the world just continues to get smaller and smaller. And I get so excited yeah. about that. And, and I, I, think I think people that... consider entrepreneurs to be people that have businesses, right? We That typically business owner sounds like someone who opened a laundromat or, you know, often kind of like these family businesses. And today everyone is an entrepreneur. Today everybody's a brand, right? You're a brow artist, like you have an Instagram account and you like named your brow artist business and you're the only person doing it. Like you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer just for entrepreneurs and you've got a whole brand. Jesse, there's a woman who we've worked with who has that. Uh, you're an SEO expert, you're an agency, but it's just you, but you wanna look bigger than you are. Like you're a dog walker, you're a nurse and you do Botox and filler. Like your Instagram is like, you're literally a nurse but your instagram is like look at how good the lip filler that i can do is dr these pimple are popper also content creators right freelance creatives designers yeah. they're an agency and they're not scaling up when they get a job like they're doing the whole thing but they give it a website that has a brand name and this is all very new also that businesses of one can market themselves digitally in ways where it was so much more fragmented and you know, search was so much more challenging. And you can discover these people on Instagram. Instagram's incredible SEO, by the way, which a lot of people don't talk about yeah. for business. And if you optimize your bio on Instagram, someone's gonna type in brow artist and they're gonna find you and they may hire you. There's a lot of themes that I think coming up that, that are interesting in 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 what we're we're discussing. I think one is especially for all the misfits listening, like, man, there's just no type of entrepreneur. You know, it's like one of my, like they come as they're in so many shapes and sizes, different expertises, different scale, different desires, you know? And I think that's the second thing, which is like, just decide what you want and, yeah. and go do it. You know, it's not a, there's no right. I think one of the things early entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of people I coach and talk to, like, am I doing it right? Is this the right way? And like, it's so hard to let go of that and say, no, no, there's no right. Just, I mean, if, if you're successful, do what you want. What do you want this to be, right? What, what's your choice? What are you trying to make it? I think that's another one. And I think the thing, Alex, you pointed out, and I kind of had a similar experience last year for myself. And, and you know, Sophia, you said zero to one. Getting that thing started is so powerful. Like, it was a good lesson for me after running a business for 10 years. Like, I don't know what these next three things will be worth. They might, potentially might be worth all more than Ampush after two years, you know, depending on how you look at them. And there is a lot of value in that just getting that thing going, getting something going. And once I, like I started, it used to be very precious. Like I think about how preciously I held Ampush and it was like my only company was the only, and I started three things and like people are like, well, it seems like you know how to do that. You're pretty good at it. Why don't, and it, it just really changed my perspective on things. But I think for anyone listening again, random job board, random, what like there's so much power in starting something, 
you know, operating it as a different, different sort of animal, which I think is part of the, the question here, which is, do, do you have to, do you, can you sell it? Do you, can you solo entrepreneur it? Do you find other people to run it? Like there's all these other questions, but there is a distinction between getting that thing going versus operating it. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is just realizing there is no right or wrong choice here for the longest time. I was in this mental loop of there is, there was one definition of success in entrepreneurship, even though it sounds so ridiculous and irrational to say, like my subconscious guided me to make decisions based on this idea that I would not be a successful entrepreneur unless I ran my business forever. I stayed in the CEO role forever. I took my business public and anything short of that would not be a success. And I, I think just to use the example of Peter Levels again, like, there's a lot of hard stuff about him being a solopreneur. Like he had posted or he had tweeted that he's started a bunch of business now and his hit rate's 5%. So like it takes a ton of at-bats and it's exhausting. This guy's coding all of his apps. But on the other side of it, it's like, I think this deserves airtime because I think if people just have this perception that Elon, this incredible guy who owns Twitter and Tesla and SpaceX is the North Star for everyone... It's not realistic, and unfortunately, I think it'll disappoint people when they realize that their body is at odds with kind of that dream in their head. Totally. I By the way, the other just like as, as, a, as a random like, aside, the this creator economy is going to become a huge business opportunity for people. Yeah, like selling uh, things to people who are creators. Oh, a hundred percent. Honestly, we should do an entire episode just on that. Like, businesses to be built for people who are creators. I want to um, last episode, Jesse, you had talked about that one of your goals for 2023 was to reduce your calendar by 20 to 25%. And you said you don't know how you're going to do it, but it's something that's important to you. I want to understand how do you guys spend your time and like what do you prioritize? How often are you thinking about shifting it? Because I've become obsessed with looking. It's been a recent trend on Twitter where like top CEOs will share screenshots of their calendars and there's one guy who i want to get on to the show soon um who he he's like running a billion dollar business and he had like four blocks on his calendar in a given week and one of the hosts called bullshit on it i'm not going to say who um but i'm interested in, in like how people think about their calendars and obsessed with seeing these screenshots so how do you guys think about your time you go sophia Oh man, my time. Um, right now it feels really chaotic. I think I talked about on the last episode, the kind of scope creep that business class has had, uh, you know, moving from what felt kind of like a solopreneur business to something that I'm having to re-strategize right now. So right now it feels really out of control. And there have been days this year that haven't. And there, I think often it starts with grounding yourself in the morning and I'm not the person who wakes up you know I'm not the person who wakes up at the crack of dawn yawns and stretches like you see in the movie you're not the 4 a.m cold in my like perfect pajamas with like my hair done on Instagram right and makes their bed perfectly I'm still asleep at eight o'clock most makes them feel so good about their day and jumps in an ice bath while doing box breathing and using an ice roller on their face (laughs) and then sits in silence for an hour drinking their tea and journaling and then meditating you don't at all seem annoyed by these people (laughs) <laughs> I think it's I think it's a scam. I I 
I think it's really dangerous to inspire people with a lifestyle or a morning that takes three hours and, you know, unless you can go to bed at 9 p.m., it's not possible for most of us. And it makes most of us feel bad. Half of us are inspired by it. And then the other half of us are like, how is that even possible? What am I doing wrong? How could I even have a productive day if that's not how I'm starting it? But I've done kind of glimpses of that in this year. The days that have really grounded me are going to yoga at 7.30 in the morning. I'm like out of bed at 6.45. I'm driving like... <laughs> so you just said you hate these people and now you're saying you do it's it. It's literally just yoga. It's just yoga. If sure. you can do, If you can do like realistically, if you can do one thing at the beginning of your day that grounds you and makes you feel accomplished, yep. that's it. You do. I do yoga at 7.30 in the morning. I shower right afterward because there's showers there from 8.30 to 9. And then there's a blue bottle nearby and I go like jack up my system on like two like, you know, double shots of, you know, cappuccinos. And then I'm home by 10 or I take phone calls from blue bottle and... I mean, what I would like to do is stack my calls to more than like two hours a day, but I two two hours at a time and taking short breaks in between. And for the second half of this year, I have had days where I don't have calls and days where I do have calls. And that's been amazing, right? Fridays, we record the podcast. I actually shower and put makeup on. So after this, I'm going to go make content and do some Instagram reels and just take advantage of the fact that like I'm not wearing pajamas because I work from home. But not every day is like that. Well, and just just to ask a question around kind of like the more macro level and then we'll dive in. How many hours a week do you think you're working? Mm. You want me to look? Uh, Probably like 40. I mean, thinking about it, it's like a hundred, but that's just anxiety. So, so let's say it's forty. Spinning what, out. How let's mu- see. How much of that? How much of those? Fo- that forty? Do you think is business class? Six, eight, six ten? hours. It feels like so much. Well, that's on calls. Probably like five hours of calls, and then there's so much inbound copy design kind of like approvals of communications with students writing my newsletter that's kind of yeah so how much do you think all of that is maybe like 10 hours but it feels like 100 for some reason and then interesting i also talk to entrepreneurs and make investments i create content we record the podcast you know i do calls on the intro app and mentor people i'm working with an ads team for business class and reviewing you know co- you know creative for that and updating copy i still write pretty much all the copy because i cannot figure out how to delegate my voice you know i'm doing influencer stuff i have a partnership with notion a partnership with survey monkey a partnership with pmi international which is a project management organization like that's all that's going back and forth with goes so you have so a lot pretty, of things. it's a lot of context switching yeah i was gonna say it seems like you have a ton of context switching so yeah. uh first of all how are there any things that you do to your calendar to try to make context switching easier? Like, are you working on all of these things all days of the week? Are you blocking out certain times for the type of work that's most annoying in your day to get that done first? Like, do you do anything to help yourself with all this switching? I put on my calendar, you know, after this, I'm going to record content. Uh, if I, if something's due to 
a brand that I'm creating uh, for a partnership, like that's on the calendar. And if I have to create content for that and it's due on Wednesday, Monday it's on my calendar and my assistant's here and he like is amazing, Tyler, and helps me kind of organize myself, prepare for that. We're looking at, you know, hashtag, you know, add all the things that you have to draft. There's such a level, level of detail for that stuff. But right now I would probably ask advice of you two on how I could better optimize that because as an ADD entrepreneur with a lot going on, I think I could use some inspiration. Jesse, what do you think? Advice or you want to hear what I do? Um, so it's similar maybe, the same. Yeah. Maybe share what you <laughs> maybe, do. Maybe. I don't know. Everyone, everyone has to figure their own. I think, I mean, the, the advice, like I've learned to become much more gentle with myself over time. I think a year, five years ago, or seven years ago, I was like, "Ah, you didn't, you <laughs> bad day, Jesse." He'd look at, he'd look at, he'd look in the mirror and slap himself, and then go back to the a horse. version of that. And I think over time, I'm like, "Yeah, you know what?" Like, and and it's something I try to coach everyone I work with, especially the younger entrepreneurs. I'm like, "Hey, you know, you got a bunch done this week. Like, did did the, did the ball move forward? Did it go? Did it not go backwards? You know?" And and I, I love the pushing a boulder up a hill analogy. I'm like, you know what? If you're pushing a boulder up a hill. If you keep it in the same place or get it forward a little bit, that's progress. And like, as long as it doesn't go back, you're good. And so I, I think in general, for anyone kind of attacking these sorts of things, I think you got to be real gentle and sort of, it doesn't mean you, you want to get better. You can learn things. But I, I, to me, that's like the, I think that keeps people frozen the most because they just, they freak out, you know, they're, they're so tough on themselves about it. And I was like that and still am in some ways. But And so how do you approach, <clears throat> given that you're, you know, you have, your company and push that you're not actively involved with, but it's your, you know, it's your baby. You have your three businesses within gateway X. Like, how are you thinking about strategy around time? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I, I don't want to post one of those calendar things cause I can't <laughs> brag about <laughs> mine. I will say, you know, it's interesting. I, my calendar is very busy even beyond the work hour and I'll walk through it in a second. I, you know, I'm a little torn cause on the one hand I get a lot done. And, and I, and I don't just mean again, work stuff. Like I play tennis three times a week. I like hang out. I put my kids to bed four or five nights a week. Like I do a lot and I'm not generally an organized person, but like, that's one area where people are always like, damn, Jesse, like, cause people know me in life and I miss flights and all this stuff. They're like, damn, your calendar, man. You <laughs> wow. really, you, I miss 10% of my flights as a life rule. Um, you're spending too much time in airports if you don't. I feel so much better flights. for myself. Wow, well, yeah, I would um, not have guessed that, but sorry, continue. So, but but anyways, you know, so I, I am torn, but at the same time, sometimes it feels overly scheduled. Um, so yeah, let me give you my week. I'd say, so a couple of different, different things I know you've been asking, Alex. So one is I've tried now on Mondays and Fridays, I do other business interests. And like for Kahani in particular, I'll do the kickoff for the week and the major you know, what, what's the meeting, you know, what's the plan for the week or the sprint? What are the various teams doing in sales marketing? What, what do we have to get done? So basically, and then in addition, I'll meet with the other leaders of the other businesses on Mondays and Fridays only. So Tuesdays and Thursdays are Kahani days. They're blocked in my calendar. There has to be a very good reason for me to come off that, um, which is something that, you know, post raising money and kind of focusing on being the CEO. There is something that I did differently. It doesn't mean I won't spend time on those things, but in general, it's a good forcing function to avoid that context switching of which I have a lot. Um, my general work day I'd say is like, well, it's a little different. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's like eight 30 to six or six 30. I'm home by six 30. I do dinner and I'm like, I'm on 
kid night duties, you know, Monday and Wednesdays and Fridays and Sundays. Um, Tuesday, Thursdays are my late days. So I usually work like 8.30 to 7.30 or 8. I don't, I usually don't see my kids. Sometimes I'll just sneak to say goodnight to them. I play tennis on Tuesdays and Thursday evenings. Like Sophia called me yesterday. I was on the courts. Um, and so those are my tennis days. I usually do try to work out on Wednesdays. Also, I have date nights Wednesday, Saturday with my wife. Uh, that are just kind of like, again, those are, we don't change them very often unless we have to. Friday nights, pizza night with the kids. Um, and I mean, you seem very routinized. Very, very routinized. Routinized. Yeah, big time. And I think when we have that many stakeholders, like again, not just in the business side, but on the people side. And then in terms of how I spend my business time, I think I've tweeted and stuff about this. You know, one thing I learned from Rick at Red Ventures he he doesn't like standing meetings and I, I try my best to actually, I'm not like that dude who put two hours and like, I have nothing like, but in general, like I, I try to avoid standing meetings. And the reason is, is because what's important this week or for the next week or two is going to be very different than what's important in the following two weeks. And I like to change and shift my hour, like where I spend my time, depending on where I need to be, you know, what needs to be getting done in that time. And I think being that like a mistake I see a lot of founders make is, and I made this early on was, my calendar inside of those blocks being too routinized. I have to take this at this time. Then we have to meet on this. And that's when you start creating meetings that people show up just to present something that they don't actually have anything instead going, Hey, let's, let's grab time on this thing. Looks really important. We should talk about this in right now. And this other thing, let's push that out. So I do try to be very dynamic. So every Sunday I spend an hour or two kind of planning my week, trying to figure out what I should spend time on, where I should go deep, where I should spend time. I'd say the biggest thing I'm trying to work on for next year I don't do a lot of work. Like I'm pretty scheduled from nine to six or nine, like meaning I'm taking meetings with people almost constantly internally and externally. Um, it hasn't, it doesn't leave room to do any work like and, and actually things like I can write or things that, and so I'm trying to get better at actually with my assistant blocking off time. That, I was do... just about to ask about that. Like, do you have time <clears throat> for any time for deep work? Like just even thinking high level about your three businesses. Week, I mean, weekends I'll do it. Like I, Sundays, I usually work for about five or six hours. I'll get some stuff done then. I, I'll, I'll come back online at night, like after my everyone's asleep in my house, usually for an hour or two. Um, that's usually for email, but sometimes it'll be I want to sit down and write something out. Um, I you guys know I'm a pretty off the cuff thinker, so a lot of my thinking happens and it'll it'll just come through me. Like it'll be something that's like sitting in the back of my brain. Yeah, and then I'll be like, oh my god, I got to write this down. There's something really important happening here, and, yeah, and I'll just like Jimmy Neutron in your. But life. I want to get better at like blocking off ten hours a week of work uh, of things I want to actually do or try to get done. So that's that's my one of the big improvements. What, one last question for you is not that they've said this, but what would you say if a Kahani investor was like, dude, you're you're the CEO of this business and you have just two days a week focused on Kahani. Three, three. Three oh, and a half, three? really. I thought it was Tuesday, yeah, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. So you have and three then, days. Like, the ha- a half day on Monday. Yeah. Oh, so 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 it's I guess the majority <laughs> of your week. Yeah, it's definitely the majority. I mean, look, you gotta make these you gotta get clear with people up front on what's going on and what's like in my documents are all these other businesses. They're aware of my roles there. They're not totally. they're not naive that totally. like this is who and, and it's part of what they, they, it's you know, you take the good with the whatever, with the opposite. <laughs> like they know totally. the benefits of being involved and they know the costs and so yeah, I think I think they need to pay attention to the ARR and how I'm growing the business <laughs> and I'm doing a shitty job, they should fire me. And if I'm doing a great job, they should, you know, be really happy. Yeah. That makes total sense. I don't have uh, any doubts that Jesse has time to think or doesn't need time to think just knowing how little Jesse has to prep for the podcast and the 
kind of wisdom that just flows out of his mouth. <laughs> I <laughs> I have a feeling it happens. Yeah, like as ad hoc. He's, he's just a, as he's this just a does. walking epiphany. I it, well in the sessions though of time and it's so. like I'll we, you can make time to think in those meetings. Hey guys, what's a big challenge we're having? What's it like? To me, get, getting really present during during a meeting itself is like a really important piece of this, which is. We actually like we've started doing it as a rule now. We breathe for thirty seconds before the meeting. We do a box breath to make fun of the earlier thing. We That's start cool. meetings with box breathing, and then we go, okay, what what do we want to do here? What are we trying to get accomplished? We don't do it perfectly, but it's really valuable to do that in the session itself. I, I love that. I actually know um, a friend of mine. Uh, part of her consulting business is helping like Fortune five hundred companies, like coaching them up in more present. Uh, meetings by doing the exercises you just talked about before every single meeting. And I I remember I, I asked her, I was like, how do people, if you're going into like Apollo or KKR and you're about to tell this MD, hey, I want you to breathe in for three seconds, hold it for three seconds, out for three seconds, hold it for three seconds. Like I would love to be a fly in the wall seeing that MD at KKR respond to you wanting them to do that breath. But like it is so important. But they're still human and every human knows that when they're present and they're there they can be much more capable powerful thoughtful totally and when they're not they can't be and and i, and I think the by the way the, be, the best thing about box breathing is it's the easiest thing to convince someone to, of doing because within 30 seconds they do it and they go wow this is better yeah. it's like the, the easiest thing to convince someone of because it, it's such an immediate gratification when you breathe totally um i just want to share a few parts of kind of how i spend my time because it's changed so much over the last few years um, and I, uh, I'm very ADD, uh, like my brain is all over the place. And so I'm constantly thinking about how do I, how do I wrangle like the madman, but also respect kind of the value, um, of my brain. And so just a few things that I do, I don't start anything before 9am because if I don't get my morning routine in, it throws off my entire day. Uh, and just my morning routine, very simply is it's like 7.15, wake up, um, feed my dog, take my dog out for a walk uh, with my fiance, come back in, have a coffee, and then go and do a workout. And then I start my day after that. And just any day I miss that, I just don't feel as good. Like it doesn't ever feel as good for me to do a midday workout for whatever reason. Then Similar to Sophia, I try to lump as much content creation together as I can. Said differently, like I try to lump together similar skills. So I try to do a similar type of action around the same time. So like 60 seconds start up my social series, I'll do a dozen of those at once and do try to do imposters and TCO on the same day. So I do those things together and then I try to just batch everything. Um, I try to get to bed before 11 o'clock. Because if I don't do that, it throws off my entire next day because I really try to get seven to eight hours if I can. Um, people, That's another thing I'm working on is sleeping early. I am not an early sleeper. Yeah, it just what ha- what honestly ends up happening is I end up sleeping later because I want it, I need to get sleep and then I don't do my morning workout. Like yep, that's right. the trickle down effect. Um, I've found that I'm way more ADD in the afternoon. Like for whatever reason, when two or three o'clock hits, I just get less productive. And so I really try to have pre two o'clock be my more productive hours. Um, and I, I would say like the hardest transition that I found when I switched from working at Morgan Stanley to going full-time on Morning Brew, and then the transition I made from running the day-to-day of Morning Brew to being the chairman is I went from every minute of my day was dictated for me 
Two, every minute of my day was not dictated for me. So like at Morgan Stanley, it was 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. I am staring at a screen doing trades for 13 hours. I went and went full-time on Morning Brew and there was all of the possible things to do on the business, but there was literally zero in my calendar. And that is an incredibly daunting thing. That same exact thing happened when I went from CEO to chairman. And so it's something I'm still trying to work through. So those are some of the things I do to just manage my schedule. What what uh, gives you the most energy and what is the least energizing? I would say the most energizing things for me are build zero to one, like building things I'm really excited about. Like I've sent you guys this backyard game I'm playing and like, or that I'm making and like the process of talking to the industrial uh, designer about the design of the game and uh, getting videos from the manufacturer in China, throwing the plungers at the game. Uh, like to me, that energizes me. Like you guys know, I recently built this um, free startup database where I just curated my favorite startup resources on the internet. Like going through the process of figuring out what no-code tools to use, how to connect Zapier to like, it just it's just like the the real life called like hopefully money making versions of like Legos like that's the part I enjoy doing and I really enjoy creating content. Um, so he, going back to last episode, as I think about next year, it's I just like I want more of that in my life. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the final topic, and the final topic today is it's a little bit of a meta one. Um, I've been spending a lot of time recently thinking about how can we just keep leveling up the show? How can we go from, you know, right now we're, let's call it getting 20,000 downloads an episode uh, on the show to, you know, how do we get to 50,000 downloads as soon as possible? And on the video, how do we grow our YouTube channel faster? So beyond just creating better content always, like to me as a media mind, like that is always going to be number one, create better content and good things happen. But how do you guys think about what we can do to improve the show in the new year, have it grow faster? Like, no bad ideas. What do you guys think? I think we do longer episodes. <laughs> longer so, longer, and more Sophia's free. Look. Well, okay, let me combine it. Longer <laughs> and more free. Like, more just like a little bit more riffing, a little yeah. bit less just sort of like us, the three of us making little speeches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say, Jesse, you are very consistent in your feedback. You, you you have been very consistent since day one about kind of what you envision for this, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just an observation. I I like, you know, today and in our last show, we're talking about a little bit more evergreen topics like how to set goals, you know, side side hustles and how that is different from, you know, starting a business or what it's like to be, you know, a business of one and who is that right for I think sometimes we get into really complex stuff that for the average listener may be harder to grasp where we may be throwing in acronyms or talking about arbitrage businesses, which EBITDA. EBITDA, which is okay. We should talk about we should talk about business finance, but I think throwing out terms without first demystifying them for the person in the room who may not know, keeping a headset on for that person and listening for them is really important and just making sure that we're answering their questions before they have to ask them. Um, And I think we 
could I think having guests once in a while, which we have, is also just a fun way to grow it. Um, totally. Because we use that platform, but also a way to get a different perspective on some of the things that we've even already talked about because everybody's going to have a different point of view. If you guys could have one guest, who would it be? Mm. Who comes Jeff to mind? Be- Jeff Bezos. Are we? What are we? Are we gunning for big here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyone? Anyone? So, okay, Bezos, Sophia. Who would you pick? Mm. I think like Mark Andreessen or like a top VC talking about what great entrepreneurs look like. Someone who's kind of seen it all and seen who wins and who loses and how they think about entrepreneurs from the ten thousand foot perspective of someone who literally sees everything out there and how they pick what they think are going to be winners i think it'd be fun to play play with different formats by the way like me and sophia only no alex or alex and sophia you know just sophia just jesse it would be fun to just play around totally by the way that's one of the things that i had down which is i think testing formats so like bring back the solo founders journal style where it's basically like a 10 minute journal entry by us as like interesting shit is happening in our businesses or test out a differentiated interview format, whatever that looks like, or shorter episodes around a specific evergreen topic. Like for example, if we did something around, um, I don't know, like end of year reviews, or if we did something around, um, wartime leadership, like I've been thinking to myself, if we do a 50 minute episode and that 15 minute piece is in the middle it may not be the most efficient thing for the person who's looking for like wartime leadership lessons. They would just want to find that single episode. So yeah, I think playing around with formats for sure makes sense. Or I don't know, I would love to like even have like an actual recording of you guys running a meeting with your teams. So people Mm -hmm. could actually Mm -hmm. be like make an episode, be a fly on the wall listening to how Jesse runs a meeting with his teams. Yeah, I think each of us, you know, we could divide and conquer in some ways where, Alex, if you want to talk about something more news-oriented or topical or maybe complex that I, you know, may have a harder time contributing to because I have a different zone of genius, like, I'm happy to have a conversation on my own about that or interview somebody. You know, I interviewed people for five years on Girl Boss Radio. Um, so tag teaming, I mean, also it's like, yeah, it's like I can do that on a Friday and you can do it three weeks later, or you can do a mini episode or lesson. And by the way, that's how much, how we create more surface area, right? Like we have one episode a week on the feed right now. Like what could it look like to get to three, but not with like three times the amount of effort. And I think that's, that's possible. I'm game. I'm game. I love it. Um, yeah, you guys took all the good ideas. I think that's no. awesome. Well, <laughs> the reason this was a meta discussion is because I want to hear from the audience now. I want to hear from the misfits. So for those listening or watching this episode of The Crazy Ones, we want to hear from you. What formats do you want us to try in 2023? How do you think the show could be better? Or what ideas are there for growing the show that maybe we haven't thought of? Shoot us an email at morningbrew.com. And if you'd be so incredibly kind to give us the gift of subscribership i wish i was i wish i had a better word for that sharing it share it if if it's valuable for you yeah no no if um if you guys would be so kind to give us the gift of sharing subscribing rating and reviewing that is how more people can listen to the show that is how more people can be more 
equipped to build businesses. And so we'd be incredibly grateful for it. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you in the new year. Thanks everybody. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.